I will be reading John 15, 15 from the NIV. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have known from my father, I've made known to you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I'm excited about your Pathfinder Club. I love Pathfinders. It's been part of my experience off and on since I was in elementary school. And I have to say that um, you kind of have an interesting perspective when you're a Pathfinder about life. You look at Vegilinks differently than everybody else does because you've eaten them probably a hundred different ways with dirt on them, right? <laughs> and you, um, you have a different perspective about buses and travel and camping and in order to try to get back into the spirit of pathfindering, I, I posted a, uh, a little message on Facebook, which my daughters tell me Facebook is kind of an old people's MySpace, and so I, I love it. It's great. <laughs> Best memories of, of, of pathfindering. I got a lot of people that gave me a lot of information. Most of it had to do with marching and how they were glad they weren't doing that anymore. Do you guys march? You still march? Kind of? I didn't think so. You know, the history of Pathfinders kind of started as an alternative to uh, ROTC, which was kind of a paramilitary group in high schools and, and junior highs. And during uh, World War II and Korean War and, and Vietnam, Pathfindering was, was not trying to prepare soldiers, but it was trying to prepare what we called junior missionary volunteers. And you can tell me what that means, junior missionary volunteers. And it was really hard for me when they changed from JMV, you know, because it took me a long time to memorize that Pathfinder aim and motto. And when they changed it, it kind of discouraged me because I had to leave off a couple of things. But Pathfindering gives you a unique perspective on the world because you see people as individuals who can be served. And you see yourself as being that person who stands in place of someone else and serves in that need, in that capacity. And that's what I think Pathfindering is really all about. I get nostalgic about Pathfinders because I'm a, I'm a master guide, I have to admit it. It's, it's hard work. I got there finally. I should have wore my uniform, but I, in a way I'm kind of wearing a uniform, pastor uniform. And as a youth pastor, I rarely wear suits, which is probably one of the main reasons why I decided to stay in youth ministry, because I love kids mainly, but also because suits and I, we just, we just don't like each other that much. And uh, my grandfather being a pastor... Um, he had five suits, wore one every single day, and uh, I remember catching him once gardening in his suit, and I thought to myself, wow, that is one dedicated pastor. But to me, the whole idea of church, pathfindings, and pastors, and the things that we all do are part of what we are about as a church in training our young people about not just how to live their lives, but to have a, a, an orientation, the way they look at the world. And instead of getting philosophical about it, I thought I'd just walk through a very important part of the Bible with you and share that with you today, this morning. And so in your Bibles, if you'll turn to John 15, it's famous. You all know it really well, probably because of the first half of the verse. And I know you didn't come here this morning to sit in a class and get like taught, but that's kind of what I do. And so for the first couple of moments, I want to just share some information that hopefully will grow your faith and, and lend to your spiritual walk with Christ and give you some encouragement. 
Because as you look at this first part of John 15, you'll see Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. And, and I always learn scripture through music. And Richard and, and Jill and I worked at Pine Springs Ranch together, and we sang a lot of songs. And I am the vine, you are the branches, his banner over me is love. This is where that song came from. And Jesus is saying to his followers, because he knows his time is short, he says, I want you to know the essence of why I came. You see, Jesus started with kind of a general announcement. The kingdom of God is upon you. And he would always, in parables and through his life and miracles, talk about the kingdom of God. But as he got more and more to that time when he knew he was going to hang on that cross for the payment of our sins, he began to get more specific about what the kingdom of God meant. And in John 15, he reaches that apex where he just lays it right out to them. The most important message of his entire life. And he says to them, I am like this branch. And you are like vines that that grow from me. You are connected to me. And we together bear fruit. We do things together that you cannot do separately from me. Just as I'm connected to my Father, so are you connected to me. And this is the greatest spiritual truth of all time. Because at the essence of Christianity, it's not about a set of doctrines as much as it's about a relationship and a connection to Jesus Christ that he initiates with us. It's not about us trying to be good enough to get grafted to the vine. It's not about us trying to achieve a level of success so that God will accept us. But he makes all of that effort through his grace to bring us into harmony and relationship with him. And that connection is everything. So that's the most important part of this. And then in the second part of his message, starting in verse 9, it's where I chose to focus in. Because I thought, you know, if I was to preach a sermon about pathfinders... I would have to go with something that, you know, you repeat every single meeting. By the grace of God, I will be pure, kind, and true. I will keep the, what is it now, AJY law? Pathfinder law, okay, good. I will be, and then a servant of God and a friend to man. No, I've said that probably a thousand times if I've said it once. But I've never stopped and really thought about it. No, I've thought about the pathfinder law. Keep the morning watch, do my honest part, care for my body. Keep a level eye. I always got stuck there. Keep a level eye. What does that mean? I don't want to go into a whole sermon on it, but I think it has something to do with just making sure your eyes go where they're supposed to go, I I guess. Watch what you watch. Okay? But in this motto, the very last part, I think, has the biggest message that pathfindering is all about, and Christianity. To be a servant. Now, none of us like the, uh, the word servant, because in our American history, we come out of a pretty a pretty dim view of slavery. And so when we look at slavery, we tend to think, oh my goodness, you know, that's, that's something we don't really want to talk about. That's in our past. It's gone. Amazingly enough, some of my students today, uh, actually this, this yesterday, were, were sharing with me that there are more slaves today than there have ever been in the world's history. I didn't even know that. I thought we'd abolish slavery. But there's economic slavery. There's, there's all types of slavery. But it's still a huge issue. And it's usually a very, very negative thing. So when we talk about serving God or being a servant of God, we come at it with kind of this package of negative opinions. Because frankly, when you're a servant, you don't know what the master is doing. You just do what you're told. 
And in the early history of pathfindering, when you got an order, that's what you did, unquestioning. And I don't know about some of you, Pete and Eric and I, we went to boarding school, so we kind of know that you do stuff without questioning. You have five worship service on the weekend, what you wore, girls sat on one side of the, door of, of, of the church, guys sat on the other side of the church. I don't know if they did that in MBA because you guys were pretty liberal up there. But at Sam Pasquale, it was pretty, pretty uptight. And uh, if you didn't have a tie on, you didn't have the right clothes, they sent you back, which I thought was really kind of bogus until I got hired to be an RA and then I was the guy making the guys go back. And I realized that, that being a servant means you just kind of did what you were told and you could grumble about it with the other servants, but you really just kind of kept your nose down and just did your job. And I've always wondered if that was what God wanted. In my early pictures of God, and maybe some of you can relate with me, my early pictures of God were basically that of a pretty um, grumpy old man sitting there in heaven with his arms folded, waiting for us to do something right, but always being disappointed. And, And we're always kind of stuck in this way of trying to please God. And my whole theology of the atonement was about trying to, you know, do enough good things so that God wouldn't be so angry with me anymore. Very immature view of God. And so as Jesus is saying these words, and he starts in verse 9, he's trying to get right to what the kingdom of God is all, of, all about, and he's speaking right to me. In Pathfindering, we're not here to tear down what it means to be a servant of God because something interesting comes out of this, and I'm hoping that you'll see this yourself that the scripture will breathe it into you, will inspire it into you. Because being a servant might not mean exactly what you thought it meant. You may learn something new from what Jesus has to say. And before we get to that, let's contrast that with the other part of our model. Servant of God, friend to mankind. Politically correct, we have, you can't just use man, you've got to say like mankind, because it's not just the men, right? Although some men would say, yeah, be kind to me, and et cetera, et cetera. I just got back from Africa with a group of 30 students. And my, my students had a wonderful time. We take a mission trip every year. Last year, we went to Peru. And the year before that, we, uh, we went to uh, Mississippi. And we were gutting houses after Katrina. But this time, we went to a place uh, called the Maasai Mara, which is just on the border of Kenya and Tanzania in the south. I had no idea where this place even was. But it is beautiful. I grew up watching a show called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Felt like I was living that every single day of my life while I was there. We went to build a school. School's name was, and it took me two weeks to learn this, Olopiki Dongwe was the name of the school. And we drove out there every single day. There were 600 students. It was a mixed boarding and day school for kindergarten to eighth grade. Yeah, they had five-year-olds who were boarding school students. It's amazing. And in this country at this time, the Maasai have an interesting tradition. The tradition is it's kind of a scary tradition. About age 11 or 12, they'll make a deal with um, a local family, and they'll exchange some cows, and a girl will be given in marriage. And the social order of pecking order is, is this. At the bottom is goats, then come sheep, then women, then cows, then men. And as my girls in my, in my school started realizing this, I have a couple of really outspoken, I wouldn't call them feminists because they don't know what that means, but they're really, you know, they've got a chip on their shoulder about how guys treat girls. And then they heard that women were valued less than cattle. They had a problem with that. 
But I said, hey, you know what? We're not here to change the world in a second. We're here to just, to just paint this school and build some benches and put some glass in and get to know some kids and just accept them and love them and, and that whole thing. But they did not realize that most of the world saw women, at least the African part of the world, saw women as, you know, here's women and then cows. I tried to share that at my house. <laughs> and it didn't go over really, really well. Um, God has blessed me with, with four women in my life, and uh, three daughters and a wife. And Lori and I have been married almost 24 years, which is an incredible thing when I think about that. Grace of God, and a lot of forgiveness on her part. Well, my daughters are, um, they're all, they're very unique and different, and I'm sure we could all say the same stories about our children. But my girls, um, I didn't raise them to be, you know, people that just kind of took the status quo for granted and just did it because it was always done. And I also didn't raise them to be, you know, crazy and just, you know, go for the next cause that came along. But I always, and Lori and I tried to teach them just to be open-minded and loving people and care about others and, and, and that kind of thing. And so when I explained that to them, I got a lot of tight lips about this whole thing about the way Africans, some Africans see women. And they said, Dad, what are you guys going to do to change that? And I said, well, simply this, the way out is through education. The way out is people who are willing to serve God and go there and not say your way is wrong, but to show them a better way of saying, no, God created men and women to be equal. And I won't get off on my rant on that. But we all know that, that God has given us a great task in this world. And I think that a lot of times that task just really isn't caught until you get into Pathfinders. Pathfinders is one of the ways we instill that value into our, our, our children. By teaching them about the importance of serving. Not from a I'm superior and you're inferior kind of a view. But that I'm here to help. And so as we contrast serving with what God is now going to lay upon us, which is the most amazing truth of all time, here's what he says. You are no longer my servants. You're my friends. A friend of God. Now that sounds pretty basic. I didn't travel an hour and a half to be with you today just to tell you something you already knew. Something that you already had figured out. But to Put these two together and to help us understand what God is really trying to accomplish in his world today and that you can either get on board with that or you can choose other ways. But in this section of the Bible, let's get into it now so you can see why this point is so, so crucial. Verse 9, John 15, verse 9. This is the whole section. We'll look at the context here. And I want you to notice the relationship. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love, which goes back to the vine and the branches, remain in me. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now a little exegesis here, which is a big fancy word for explaining things. It doesn't say that I will love you if you obey me, does it? Which seems to be most of what we take from Christianity. If I love God and if God loves me, then I will figure this thing out. In other words, obedience comes before love. Now, I don't know about your family situation. I hope your mom and dad didn't do that kind of conditional love with you. So this may be hard for some. But look at this. In the original language, it doesn't say, if you're good enough. It's the love comes first. And out of that love comes a desire, God-given desire to follow him. 
And my, my advice to myself through the Scripture and my advice by extension to you is to not get this wrong. If you're a good pathfinder, God's going to love you more. If you get your honors, God's going to love you more. If you can't measure up, if you can't do it, if your uniform's not right, sorry, you're second class. And a lot of people have gotten that message. Unfortunately, those people probably aren't in church today. Sad to say. But at the same time, we all can be motivated to show this in a new and fresh way. Jesus says that obedience comes as a product of love. You don't have to fake it today and say you love God. You can know that He's given you that love and that you can accept that and let Him rule in your life. Which is not a cliche. It's an orientation of the way you look at life. And He goes on. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy in you may be full, complete. That you may know the complete truth is what he's saying. My command is this. Keep the morning watch. Do my honest part. Care for your body. Keep. Oh, wait. Sorry. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And here's where he introduces this beautiful relationship of the kingdom of God he came to deliver. And Pathfinders, I hope you get this, because I'm almost done. Greater love is no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. And then he says, and if you are my friends, and if you accept my love, you're going to have some great things that are going to happen in obedience to what I've said. And then the verse that I chose to dwell on. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is all about. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Friend. What does that mean to you today? To be a friend to somebody. I love Dodger baseball. I've been a Dodger fan since the day I was born. My parents chose it for me because... 1963 World Series on that day that I was born, the Dodgers won. First World Series in Los Angeles. Amen. (laughs) Still follow the Dodgers. Um, My biggest struggle is to not read my email on Sabbath when the Dodgers play, so I left my phone out there. And um, this story just really warms my heart because it's about Jackie Robinson, and it was his birthday. I don't know if you guys watch any games, but I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday. Everybody was wearing 42. And the, the Giants were playing the Dodgers, and everybody's wearing 42. And the thing about Jackie Robinson that's so incredible is not that he was the, the, the most stand-up guy in the world, because he did have a fiery temper, and he did have a chip on his shoulder, and, and, but he was brave. And, and, and he was a man that was willing to take a lot of risks. But one day, at the very beginning of his career in Major League Baseball, he went to take his position out in the, in, in, in the field. And as he's standing there getting ready to play, the crowd starts in on him. And it gets really ugly really fast. Because here's the first African-American playing in an all-white sport. And, and Pathfinders, I don't even know if you guys kind of get this concept, but they even segregated baseball back in the bad old days. You had the Negro Leagues and you had the regular leagues. And the problem with that, obviously, is that all the talent that was in those leagues didn't, get, didn't cross over until quite recently. And so there's Jackie Robinson taking it on the chin every single time. They're throwing beer bottles at him. 
They're calling him all kinds of foulness. And he's standing there. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to run away from uncomfortable situations. You know, unless it's my kids, I'll usually just sit there and, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not jumping up and, and diving into something. It's part of my, you know, kind of phlegmatic personality. But the thing that inspired me about this is that the most popular player on the team, Pee Wee Reese, couldn't stand to see this happen. So he just silently walked out and stood next to Jackie Robinson. And not only did he do that, he put his arm around him, didn't say a word, just stood there with his arm around him. And the silence pervaded through the stadium. Now, it didn't automatically change everything, but it turned a corner. And Jackie Robinson said, that moment showed me what true friendship was really all about. Someone who was willing to stand by my side. Someone who was willing to be there when I needed them. And so when you look at God, and you think that God is distant and far removed, what God is telling you through this message and through the life of Jesus Christ is that, no, I'm here to be a friend to you. That doesn't mean that God's down on our human level. Please don't misunderstand me. God is everything. But he has done everything to bring us into relationship with him. Abraham and Moses were the first to be called friends of God. It's the highest relationship possible between two people, between God now, beyond us, and human beings. And Jesus chooses his friends all of us. And we repeat, repeat this phrase every time we have Pathfinders because it's a promise to us that God is reaching out to have a relationship with us. That serving God is a result of being God's friend. That being in relationship is where it starts. That drawing our kids into that kind of friendship in a place, in a club where they can figure out what that means. It's not always perfect, but we're working on it, right? And in a church as well, we're not all perfect. This isn't a country club where we come and just kind of rub elbows and say, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? This is a place where we come to be fed spiritually. It's a place where we come with our burdens and our brokenness to receive the support and friendship of our congregation. And so to be a servant of God and a friend of man, that's linked. It's almost like you can't have one without the other. And I'm hoping this morning in this this, this message to just encourage you that there'll be more than just words that we repeat, but a life that we live, that Jesus comes to call us to be friends. He elevates us to that level where we can know that it's all about that relationship he wants to have with us, that he initiated and started, and that he sustains every single day, which are basically, basically big words of God starts it and keeps it going and finishes it. And we're just there to accept it and love it and respond in obedience. And finally, when I think about servant versus friend, I think about Jesus on the cross. And last week we thought about that. We pray, we worship. And I think about the lengths that Christ went to. And when I think about Jesus' friendship, and I consider what he has done for me and for you, when I think about him stretching his arms out to embrace my sin, 
and to suffer for me. I'm filled with a love that wants to serve that risen Savior. And I pray today that you'll be encouraged and inspired. And Pathfinders, especially you, you have a great club. And I encourage you to keep serving God and keep being a friend of God. And in that way, this club will continue to be what God's called it to be. Amen. You pray with me. Lord God, as you bring these words home to our hearts through the Spirit of Christ, may we know and experience the resurrected Savior through serving and through loving, through friendship and through obedience. May we be salt and light in this community. May we bring truth where there is falsehood. May we bring healing where there is sickness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.